Now we're going to get back into some of the things that we uh, spoke last week. I'd like to get right into the word of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark, the fourth chapter. Last week, well actually for the last couple weeks, we've been talking about experience God. And every week, including this week, I'm going to say it that way. Experience God. I want you to experience God. You need to experience God. It would be great if you experienced God. And we're specifically talking last week and this week about uh, experience God in word. You could say experience God in his word. That, however you want to say it. But we're going to be looking, as we talked about last week, the parable of the sower that went forth to sow. Now this parable is in the scriptures three times, three places. Mark 4, Luke 8, and Matthew 13. Now I'm going to go to each one of these places and pull some things out to emphasize for you. But we're going to read the whole thing in Matthew 13. That's my favorite place to read it. But all of them are very important and you can go back and, and read uh, what we don't read. But we're going to end up going through all three of these. So let's start here in Mark, the fourth chapter, right in the beginning, verse 1. Talking about Jesus. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and a whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Verse 2. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. So you know right now, we read the three, this is the parable we're going to read about the sower that went forth to sow. But look at verse 2. He taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. His doctrine is parables. And you'll see in Matthew 13th chapter, he calls these parables a mystery. And his disciples wanted to know, why are you speaking to the multitude in parables? And he tells them, because unto you it's given, but unto them it's not given. So the mysteries of God are given to the disciples. Specifically, his 12th right there. But we'll get into it, and there is a way for everyone to partake of Jesus' doctrine and understand these mysteries and these parables. We'll read it from Matthew 13 where he says, unless they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, be converted and I should heal them. Understanding brings healing. We'll say, well, what kind of healing? Understanding won't heal cancer or, or a lymphoma or no, but it'll heal your broken heart. I'll tell you right now. It'll heal your spirit. So the healing that comes from understanding is eternal. Isn't that awesome? It's forever. You keep it forever. It is a gift from God. It is something you want to receive. And a little bit of a review. We've been talking about uh, when you experience God, it's so you understand. God gives you experiences to understand. And we've quoted every week, Job 28, 28, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. When God gives you understanding, he gives you ability to depart from evil. There is so much to experience in God in word. I mean, think about it. The word of God, according to Hebrews 4 and 12, is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. So if you experience God in word, are you going to begin to experience discernment? Huh? The intent of the heart, begin to understand the heart, the intent of it, the work of it, the way of it? Absolutely. That's something you'll experience in word. 
in the Old Testament, I think it's in Psalm, uh, he sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What's another healing here? Delivering you from your destruction. So if you experience God in word, could you experience a healing being delivered from destruction? Absolutely. Talking about Jesus in the New Testament, it says with his word, he cast out devils. So experiencing God, could you experience the casting out of a devil? You know, you watch all these different shows. Uh, what was that one with Linda Blair so many years ago? I'm dating myself here. Exorcist, Amityville Horror, all those things. That's how they show the devil in Hollywood. But let me make it really simple for you, okay? The devil is a liar. He doesn't tell the truth. He can't tell the truth. So if you are believing the lies of a devil and God brings the truth to you, did he just cast out that lie? Did he just cast out that devil? So God sends you his word so you're not believing lies about him that the devil has sown to you. And now you just experience because you received truth the casting out of a devil. That's experiencing God in word. And there's so many more, but I'm just giving you a few examples right there. Now back to Mark 4. Go down with me to uh, verse 12. Again, I'm pulling out some little nuggets of, uh, of understanding of gold here, <laughs> wisdom, that is uh, very important in these parables. So you can go back and read all of this, and I encourage you to do that when you get a chance. But verse 12 says, That seeing they may see, and not perceive, <coughs> excuse me, that seeing they may see, and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Notice that. Remember when I read it in Matthew, how it was said in Mark right here. Because I already quoted or paraphrased to you how he says it in Matthew. Um, if they see with their eyes, they hear with their ears, they uh, understand with their heart, they get converted and they be healed. But here, how many times in the Bible did Jesus tell somebody, Specifically, the man, take up your bed and walk. And they want to know, first of all, they accused him for healing on the Sabbath day. They're right there, devils, Pharisees, Sadducees, to accuse him. Um, but at one point he said, is it easier to say, take up thy bed and walk, or thy sins be forgiven thee? And they're like, well, who do you think you are to be able to forgive sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus said, like, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> but my point in this is, is, when you're healed, your sins are forgiven you. You take that into eternity. Isn't that awesome? And you see that many times in the scripture. Um, I left off on 12, huh? 13 is what I really am looking to point out to you. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable, and how then will you know all parables? How important is that? Well, if Jesus' doctrine, his teachings is parables he said this parable is so important if you don't know this one how are you going to know all parables now do you remember last week we were reading from and teaching from isaiah 55 where the prophet under the inspiration of god talked about uh telling the wicked he told him seek the lord call upon him while he's near seek the lord while he may be found and, and then he said let the wicked forsake his way so he's encouraging the wicked to seek God for repentance. Let him forsake his way 
and let him return unto the Lord. And he said, I'll have mercy upon him. I will abundantly pardon. Then he goes into talking about, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Now he says a parable. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, and my ways higher than your ways. So when you're looking at the heavens, this is why it's so important to understand Jesus' doctrine. When you're looking at the heavens, you're looking, Walker, at his thoughts and his ways. What about in the earth? Man's thoughts, man's ways. And specifically, he's talking about the unrighteous and the wicked there, isn't he? So let's make a choice here. We want to dwell in heaven, we want to dwell on earth. Yeah? It's much better, even though you've got to be in the earth, much better to have heavenly thought, heavenly conscience. In other words, God's thoughts and God's ways working in our life. Amen? Then he went on in the parable, and he's talking about his word. And he says that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. When you're talking about sowing the word of God, it is, comes forth from the mouth of God in heaven. It's his thoughts and his ways. You with me? And, and he says, my word that cometh forth out of my mouth will prosper in the thing. Listen, when you're sowing, you got a word from the mouth of God that's sent. That's sent from heaven. He said, it'll prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. It will not return unto me void. And there was one more thing right there. What was it? Turn over there, Tim or Walker, and take a look at it. There was three things. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And what else? It will accomplish the thing whereinto I sent it. Do you understand how important sowing is? You know what else is important? Is reaping. Paul said, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life eternal, everlasting life. So sowing works when it's in God. It comes from his mouth. It will not return void. It will prosper. It will accomplish. But can you sow from the flesh? People do it all the time. Let's make it really simple. The things you speak to one another. Have you ever been around somebody that's just, just negative and, and miserable to be around? The things they speak to you, if you're not careful, they can affect your spirit. They can affect the way that you think. And a lot of times you don't even know that it's taken place. So first sign is negativity. What's the next? Anything that brings disunity. Discord that tries to separate you from God and your relationship with God. Man, I was preaching up a storm about this. And uh, we'll, um, we'll do that, I'm sure, before we finish here today. But there's some more places I want to go. And you know what I'm going to talk to you about? Very, very important. Because this is what makes good ground. This is where you bring forth fruit is honesty. Honesty. You know the word dishonest uh, or dishonesty? We'll have to look at it. It's only in the Bible one time. One time. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to go there before we get done here today. But a dishonest heart keeps you from reproducing what God has sown to you from heaven. Do you know, Julie, that in Acts, the sixth chapter and the third verse, talking about the deacons, they had to have a, an honest report. They, they had to be full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. But think about what I'm saying here. They had to be honest. 
I know individuals right now that have heard the Word of God, more Word of God than probably most of all of you here today, and are not bringing forth fruit. They've been stuck in the place they're at. And I'm going to tell you right now, Mike, it's because of dishonesty. Well, what is honesty? How do you be honest? You tell the truth? What if you don't know the truth? Then would you be able to receive the truth? Would you be able to, to walk in truth? You know, what gets people is, and I'll tell you what makes you dishonest. <laughs> How much do you guys care about what other people think about you? That can make you be dishonest. You know what you really need to think about? How the Lord thinks about you. And what the Lord sees, because the Lord's not missing anything. He knows it all. He sees it all. He searches the hearts. He tries the reins. So would you know we're going to read scripture today that it says not only to be honest before the Lord, but also before men. A dishonest heart. And there's a call in 2 Corinthians 4, Bryce, to renounce, listen, renounce the things of dishonesty. When you use the word of God in dishonesty, you'll use it in, in craftiness. You use it in deception. Use it in really divin divination. In other words, it'll divide. My wife and I were talking about this this morning. And uh, I asked her, how did the, the devil learn the art of overcoming God's people? Jesus taught him. Well, I mean, they did it all the time, but he showed them. A kingdom divided cannot stand. Hmm? They were accusing Jesus of casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And, and, and Jesus said, if, the, if Satan be divided against Satan, his kingdom can't stand. And so when you see division, Keith, when you see somebody come in and trying to divide you, and we'll do it all the way down as individuals, if they're trying to divide you and separate you from God, a big red flag should go up. If they come in and try to divide you and separate you from Jesus, a big red flag should go up. Now let's get into relationship real quick, okay? Husband and wife. Something tries to, I'll use you two as an example. If something, somebody, anybody comes to try to sow and divide you two, uh, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Big red flag go up. You two are first to each other. But let me do the, the full order of this, Allie. It's God. You know that God, you submit to God, even over your physical marriage, your physical relationship. God instituted the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And God honors uh, marriage in this covenant. But if anything, a husband, a wife, tries to separate you from God, do not let it happen. Your first priority, your first allegiance is to God, to Jesus Christ himself. And um, now let me explain that a little bit though. I'm not saying if you're in different places. I'm not saying if you have different desires. I'm saying if it's a, a divisive, if it's there to separate. I've told people so many times, uh, I won't use any names. I was counsel with a young man out in Yuma. And he said, I like this girl, but she don't go to church. I said, well, is she trying to separate you from God? Is she telling you you can't go to church? Or is she, uh, you know, accusing you that you are doing things wrong by going to church? He said, no. No, she doesn't do any of that. But she doesn't believe in God. Or I shouldn't say doesn't believe in God. Doesn't go to church. So let's just leave it at that face value. And I said, well, do you like her? Do you guys have fun together? 
Yeah? Well, then, as long as she don't keep you away from God, have fun. Enjoy each other's company. Have a relationship. You know, the whole thing. But the second that it comes to divide, because you divide and conquer, something's going to separate you from God, Sharon, you, put, you nip that right in the bud. Done. And so down in the order, how does it work? It's God, it's Christ, it's the husband, and it's the wife. I, I used to get in so much trouble for this, but might as well get in a little bit of trouble today. Do you know the, wife, the relationship of the husband and wife comes over the kids? I, I heard a person tell me one time, a lady said, um, I couldn't put anybody in front of my kids. God gave you those kids. They're his. What do you mean you couldn't put God in front of your kids? Listen, when you make a, a covenant like I've done for some of you, I got to uh, officiate your weddings. Listen, I'll do Dathan and Madison. We sat before God and 250 plus witnesses and they said, till death do you part. Huh? Forsaking all others. Till death do you part. You made that covenant. I've made that covenant. You'll grow together. Your kids will grow up. And at 18, 19, 20, 21, they will leave you. This is why, Rick, you don't put the kids in front of Kim. And Kim, you don't put the kids in front of Rick. <laughs> They'll leave you. And you'll be like, I'm alone. Now what, huh, Jim? Now what? Maybe I should have uh, done, it, done it God's way, because that's really what I'm talking about, is this is God's way. <laughs> that, that really tickled some funny bones out there, didn't it? No relationship. I don't care if it's a friendship. I don't care if it's your kids. Even husband and wife, nothing gets in the way of your relationship with God. Because every one of us could leave each other here, but God will never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. Like I said, don't think you have to uh, be a Bible salesman and, and do all this stuff, you know, to be who you are in God. I'm just saying, if something tries to come between divide, don't do it. Because your relationship with God is for eternity. It's forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Wow, I better get back to this parable, huh? Let's go to Luke, the 8th chapter. And I'll say something else about each and every one of us here. Every single person in this church is in a different place with God. Huh? We have different relationship with God. We have different desires. You worry about you. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. All you got to be pleasing to is God himself. <laughs> you do that by faith. Paul said if we compare ourselves one to another, we're not wise. So you be happy and content in your relationship with God, but Mike, also it would be good. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You're content, but you sure would like to know God better every single day. And experience, like we said, experience God, Bryce. Let's get back to experiencing God in word. Is that what we're, that's what we're talking about here today. Luke 8, let me see where we want to start here. Verse 10. I want to bring out very important here. Talking about Jesus, and he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Verse 11. Now the parable is this the seed is the word of God. The, what's being sown? 
the word of God. You know what Paul said? And you got to take this in, in content of what Paul's saying here. He said, I plant, Apollos waters, but God gives the increase. So what's most important out of this deal? <laughs> well, he said this, Paul said this, so then I'm nothing, Apollos is nothing, but it's God that gives the increase. So you can sow, you can water all day long, but what do we have to have? We have to have God give the increase. He said, I'm nothing, so uh, Rick's nothing, Dan's nothing, Brian's nothing, Gary's nothing, Dave's nothing, PK's nothing, and Keith is nothing. In the context of we cannot bring the increase. Now, every, the, the men I just named you are, are great men of God, and they have words of God from heaven to sow to you. But I'm just emphasizing in the context of that scripture is the most important thing is that God gives the increase. Now, how about in an evil way, though? Let's go, that's in righteousness. That's how God does it. Can you sow discord? Can you gossip? Can you speak things that brings divisions to the people among you? Oh, you can. I'll just answer that. Stop it right there. Yes, you can. How does that increase? Because if God gives the increase in righteousness, how does that increase if you're sowing evil or negativity? Huh? Julie says you're multiplying lies. So you sow it, you start thinking on it, you water it, and then guess what? The devil's right there to give increase, isn't he? In other words, you're giving him place. Give no place to the devil. If you hear somebody speaking disunity, if you see somebody trying to divide uh, you from God or from this church or from me, because God has sent me to this place to speak these words to you, nip it in the bud. Don't go for it. Don't allow it. It's not that I'm important as a physical man. It's God. It's Jesus. It's his word, Daryl. That's what's important. It's eternal life. It's eternity. And love one another. Have fun together. Enjoy life. But just don't let anything come between, Mike, you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the devil that's come. And they know. They learn. If I divide, I can conquer. You know what? It's funny. We've got a couple teenagers in here. But has anybody ever played mom and dad against each other? <laughs> I think we've all done it, haven't we? You get in there and, and realize... That I can say, hey, uh, but mom said, but dad said, what the parents have to do? Stay in close unity and communication. That's how you got to be with God to keep the devil out. They'll kind of come in just like kids. Who was it? Years and years ago, a, a young child had went in the room and took a crayon. That was probably two of mine. Wrote all over the walls. Nobody taught that child to lie on purpose <laughs> they go and said who did this neither one of us <laughs> dude that did happen one time with uh fingernail polish all over the carpet what neither one of us okay so somebody come snuck in the house took your mom's fingernail polish out of the bathroom spilt it all over this floor and now is making it look like you did it yes wasn't us Oh, Madison said it was a leprechaun did it. 
Nobody taught her to lie. We didn't teach her to lie. Some things are just inherent in the nature of human beings. You know what I'm saying? I hope uh, this is making sense today. You know what I'm speaking to you about, is to be honest? You know what I'm speaking to you about here today? Is to be in unity. Is to be one with God. And, and do the first commandment. It's that simple. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and all thy strength. It's the first and great commandment. And the second is, li is likened to it, to love thy neighbor as thyself. All the commandments in the Bible hinge on these two commandments. All the law and prophets, Jesus said, hinge on these two commandments. And what is it? Love. Do the things you do out of love. Somebody that divides and is divisive and uh, sows discord, first of all, Julie, you know as well as I do, God hates that, doesn't he? What is the, the driving force behind somebody that's dividing and trying to separate you from God? Sometimes it's so subtle they don't even know they're doing it. Jealousy could be. Anybody else? It's hatred. It's hatred. But you know what? Watch this. Did the Pharisees think what they were doing was the right thing to do? Did they hate Jesus? But they said they loved God but they didn't discern the spirit that was driving them to do what they did and do. It's hatred. It'll cause you, as John said in 1 John, he that hateth his brother is a murderer, Keith. Always love. Take the low road. Take the wrongs. You'll never go wrong. Stay on God's side. And don't ever let hatred overtake you. Amen? I need to finish this real quick. And it looks like we're going to be doing even more after today. Uh, let's go jump right over to Matthew 13. And we're going to read the whole thing. Because the thought we're after here is, it wasn't an accident, Walker, as we're going to read here, that the seed fell on wayside ground or stony ground or thorny ground or on good ground. It uses the word fell, but the sower knew exactly what he was doing because that seed, which... Uh, Luke just said, hear now the parable, the seed is the word of God. That word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is sown on that ground to purposely teach you and bring you understanding of what the ground is. It's not an accident, and it's not you either. It's God's work. There's always going to be the four grounds. Do you understand them? That's why Jesus sows the seed on that ground. It's not to condemn you. It's not to say you're not bringing forth fruit, you're not doing this. Is so you understand this parable that he said, except you understand or know this parable, how will you know all parables? In other words, it's done with purpose and intent. Matthew 13. Let's see here, where are we at? Verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and a great multitude and great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell among stormy places, where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, 
I missed something in Luke. We're going to go back to it right now. And it was this part right here about the good ground. Verse 8, he said, But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundred, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Now notice the difference here. <clears throat> Your increase may not be the same as the person next to you. It was 30, 60, 100 fold. It could be any one of those. But let me ask you a question. Isn't any increase good? Yeah. So it's only the good ground that brings forth fruit. And, and I'm just going to say, can I speak as plain as a nose on your face here real quick? If you're not bringing forth fruit right now, is it possible that honesty is evading you? Is it possible that dishonesty is working on you? And as we would read in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, uh, you haven't renounced the hidden things of darkness. You've, you've handled the word of God in craftiness, cunningness, and in deceitfulness. Now listen to me very closely to this. If the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't fit, don't put this shoe on here today, okay? If that's not you, somebody needs to hear this today. We got, I didn't say hello, everybody online welcome be honest before god you say what well, i am and i have been and that's why you're bringing forth fruit so if it doesn't this word doesn't apply to you just learn from it get understanding you've been honest keep being honest but if god's talking to you right here and there's some dishonesty work in your heart just simply tell god he's right be honest with him you're right lord let's uh let's fix that that's honesty right there isn't it We'll talk more next week about honesty. Go back to Luke with me and we'll be done here for this week. Luke 8. Um, we read 11, didn't we? We've got to get down to the interpretation of this parable. Yeah, this is the key. Ties it all together. Verse 15. We just read this in, in Matthew's parable about the good ground, but look how it's said in Luke. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. You hear that? In an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Look at this real closely. I want to bring something out for you, okay? But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. What makes the heart good? What makes the ground good? Honesty. Being honest. And listen, God doesn't have a problem with you being dishonest if you can learn and understand and renounce those things. Be changed, be converted, understand, and Him heal your heart. It's when we hide. Julie, it's when we're so worried about what other people think about us and how we look to them that it's more important to hide. But you're not hiding anything. You're not hiding from God. He sees it all. In other words, you're only hurting yourself by being dishonest. So what makes a good heart, Carrie? Being honest, huh? What causes you to bring forth fruit? You hurt it, you keep it, you bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, but before you do any of that, you have to have honesty to make that good ground and to make it a good heart. How many of you think God's honest? 
Can I tell you the truth? I'll give you a quick analogy of honesty before I go. My wife tells me years and years ago, I've spoke this before. If you ever get to a place in your life where you don't love me anymore, don't tell me. She says, I couldn't take it. You know, if you wanted another woman or, or you're just tired of me, whatever. Don't tell me. It would hurt me too much. I said, okay, that's fair enough. Let me ask you, let me tell you something. The second you don't love me, the second you find somebody else desirable, the second you don't want to be married to me, you let me know because I'm out of here. I'm done. Honesty. Honesty. Sometimes, boy, this will do a whole nother lesson here. Sometimes the fear of things will cause you to be dishonest also, huh? The fear of losing the one you love so much, huh, Christy? What does our thing say above our bed? I found, she put that up there, so sweet, isn't it? I have found the one whom, I soul, whom my soul loves. And I love her too, she's a good woman. And she has recently become even a greater woman of God because she experienced God in word. I'll tell you who else has too, all of you. But also Ann Rush, Michelle Hickey, Don Ellis, Naomi Ellis, who else? Connie Lowry, who I'm going to be talking to today, and Claudette Kinney. You watch and see. God's done a great work here, and it's the beginning of a thing for, I don't care if you're male or female, to whosoever will, to whosoever will believe. Do you believe that here today? Then get ready to experience God. All right, God bless you.